The views and opinions expressed during Convention Nerds are solely those of the personalities, hosts, and or guests appearing on the broadcast and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Green Mustard Entertainment, Inc. or any other agency, organization, event, partnership, employer, or... Wasabi anime, Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our next live Twitch stream broadcast of Convention Nerds.、Uh, this is, we were having an argument in, in the pre production meeting,、uh, episode 12, further proving the point that neither Ken nor I could count because he thought it was 10, I thought it was 11.、Um, for those of you who've never seen the show before,、uh, quick recap Convention Nerds. Is our annual,、uh, or not annual? Annual. Woo! Thank you. We do it once a year. <laughs> That's it. That's why、Just、it takes、once. so long.、Uh, once a weekly uh, show uh, where we talk to、uh, owners, promoters of pop culture events.、Uh, currently, we used to say across North America,、uh, a couple of episodes we expanded to Cuba. So now we could say around the world.、Um, and、uh, especially in light of you know, the, the past year with COVID,、uh, different conversations about approaches to running shows, history of shows. Uh, just so we can all learn together and, and hopefully find what we're stepping into uh, uh, into 2021.、Uh, I got into this because in 2001, I started an anime club called Wasabi Anime in order to impress a girl.、Uh, and that wound up turning into Green Mustard Entertainment.、Uh, we're a company now that、uh, uses the Wasabi Anime brand to appear at a number of shows like the Fan Expo, MegaCon, Gen Con shows like that.、Uh, plus, we own our own shows like Fandom PDX in Portland and WasabiCon and InvaderCon, the Invader Zip Show.、Um, and during that time,、uh, I was going to a local convention that I got involved with in Orlando, Florida called JCon, the Japanese Animation Convention,、uh, run by a guy, Ken Joy Snack Pants Nabby,、uh, my co host. And he and I met the day I showed up at his convention. Sat down in the back row of a Transformers panel that he and the staff were hosting and proceeded to be that guy correcting them every other thing they said for the panel. We kept in touch and now we're here co hosting. So I'll let Ken a little bit about yourself. Yeah, that was 20 years ago, Tom. Yeah, shut up. September of 2000 when that event happened. But yeah, yeah, Tom and I've been doing this for quite a while.、Uh, Since yeah, the turn of the century. The century, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Found、uh, found a bin of those old t shirts out there. Let's just say I don't fit into an adult medium any longer. But、uh, yeah, we've been doing this for quite a while.、Uh, we we、uh, looped Tom into helping us do stuff for JCon and then went on to do other bigger and better things, one could say. But yeah, Tom does it for a living and I just help a lot. So yeah. So、um, this week,、uh, each week we've gone、uh, to a different state, different province. Uh, unusual kind of middle section in the United States,、uh, you know, not truly state, one of our territories. Washington, D.C. is home to a very large event. Tom,、uh, I'm sending you, you back to geography. You know, Cuba's in North what, America and D.C. is a district. It's not well, a territory. Geez, you're well, killing me here. But we can't talk to Florida schools. Does Cuba actually count as North America? Yes, I went、so、to go、country? look it up. Yes, it's. it's oh, you went to go look it up.、So、oh yeah, I was like, I, I think I'm right on this. Okay,、know. all right. Well, well, somebody will correct us. I'm sure in the chat if we're wrong. So,、um, <laughs> so I retract. Well, Internet always corrects us. Yeah.、Um, but the, the, probably the most audacious name of a convention to date, Awesome Con, self-proclaimed <laughs> being the Awesome Con.、Uh, we are joined、uh, by both Lauren and Kelly. Uh, and we'll let you guys introduce yourselves one at a time.、Uh, Lauren, if you want to start,、uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and involvement, and then go to Kelly, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah. So、um, I'm Lauren. I am the director of marketing for AwesomeCon.、Um, I joined Left Field, let's see, four years ago. I started working on our classic auto show. I worked on Playfair、um, while I was working for Left Field. And, I have now made it to our comics portfolio. I do a little bit on our anime portfolio. So,、um, quite the, the run of consumer enthusiast events, and、um, it's super fun.、Mm -hmm. So, excited to be here tonight. Awesome. No pun intended. <laughs> you say it a lot when you work on awesome. That's a quarter in the jar, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Jar. Like, that's, I, 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 is that like an issue with the, like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, wait, never mind. When you're planning awesome con, you say it a lot. 
Oh, okay. Fair enough. It's just not a con in the office. It's Oscon all the time. Don't all abbreviate it. No. <laughs> it's always awesome. It's always awesome. Yeah. Okay. And then we have Kelly. Great. Hi. Yes. So I'm Kelly and I am the president of Leftfield Media. And Leftfield Media is the parent company of AwesomeCon, along with Anime NYC, Rose City Comic Con, the new Anime Frontier. And um, we're part of the Clarion Events Company as well. Um, so I get to have the fun of working with a great, incredible team that makes all the magic happen. Okay. And well, let's. let's... And, and you kind of started off on a, on a great direction I want to talk about, which is one of the reasons of bringing you guys on the show. So what a lot of people in the mainstream don't know, just casual fans or, you know, it, it, vernacular we use it, it, it wasabi anime as we call them norms. Uh, the norms uh, don't realize is everybody goes to a local comic con or local pop culture show, you know, in any market, there's your, your toy show, your large show, your, your regional anime show, things of that nature. But what's not common knowledge is that there are a number of uh, conglomerates that exist that kind of have all these under an umbrella. Now, we've mentioned in the past on the show, uh, for example, Wasabi Anime is contracted by a company called Informa Pop Culture, uh, which is part of Informa. And we are, just like you just described, part of a division that specializes in the popular culture events, Fan Expos, Calgary Expo, Megacon are all owned by the same company in Canada. Uh, Read Pop, for example, is another good one. Um, you know, and they have a whole, whole stable show. So what's interesting is, uh, you know, Left Field has, how many how many pop culture shows do you guys have in, in, in your portfolio right now? Right now. Right now For the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you could take me back, you have an analogy, like how did Left Field start? And then how did Left Field decide to get into the pop culture market? Yeah. So Left Field started, let's see, my son's in sixth grade now. So it's almost six years ago when we started Left Field. And Left Field was started by Greg Tapalian. And Greg Tapalian and I were the part of the original team that created New York Comic Con for Reed before there was a thing called Reed Pop back in, mm -hmm. I think, what did we just look up? It's 2006. It's a long time ago now. Um, yeah. It's many years ago. Um, so and that became the beginning of what did become read pop and after many years went by um greg had always thought about doing something on his own his own enterprise and um called me up one day and said hey i was thinking about starting this company would you help me would you do this with me sure mm -hmm. no problem that sounds great well hours a week or something like that sure, sure. within about four months i think i was working 60 hours a week yeah, and, yeah. Oh um, but God. that was the beginning of left field media and we started with launching our own shows um some that are still around in some form and some that are not but uh, we had some investors to help us get started and quickly after our first year uh, we had the opportunity to partner with uh, a gentleman named ben penrod who was the original founder of awesome con and um, at that point, AwesomeCon was at, entering in its fourth year and could use some support from some more seasoned um, professionals in the event space who've had experience growing events from nothing to much larger scale. Um, mm -hmm. So we kind of jumped in and really hit it off right away with Ben and formed a nice partnership to help grow AwesomeCon to where we are now. Um, and as we started growing, we started launching some more of our own shows and acquiring some other businesses under the brand of Left Field. And um, excitingly enough, Left Field was then also acquired by Clarion Events, which is one of the largest trade show companies globally at this point. Um, so we are now their enthusiast division of fan-based events. And as Laura mentioned, we've had things like classic auto shows and other things like that within our portfolio as well. Um, so it's just kind of kind of grown as like a snowball that keeps rolling downhill or uphill in some ways. Um, during COVID times, it rolls all over the place. So, I just find yeah. it I find it hilarious listening to both you and Lauren Kelly, you know, using the the professional jargon of the convention <laughs> and an event space. Because I was with Disney for a number of years, and mm -hmm. tail end of my Disney career. I end up working with uh, the the in event coordination for the telecommunications end of the company. And when I used to try to make Tom use 
those proper terms regarding <laughs> convention space and how conventions were run in 2000, he would just look at me funny going, Ken, we don't need to talk like that. <laughs> well, and yeah, now, now he here's, is. <laughs> here's, here's, the pro- here, here's the problem. What, what Ken, the, the part of the story that, that Ken's not sharing is Ken's background is Disney. So mm-hmm. he, he, he's legacy, like his father's a Disney legend. Like mm-hmm. he worked in the theme parks in Orlando, Florida. I was part of the early crew and opened and helped develop things over at Universal Studios down the street. So unbeknownst to me, when I was a young man stepping into this industry and learning, because I wound up becoming the entertainment coordinator and opening CityWalk there, they were purposely creating jargon that was the opposite of anything people mm. said at Disney. So it's like, oh, well, they're, if they're cast members, then we're this. And everything right. had to be the, we can't say the same term as Disney. So as, as Ken was using, what Disney was just using standardized terminology, you know, we were like, we have to come up with another phrase so it doesn't sound like Disney. And so at this point, I'm like, what are you talking about, man? We don't have to talk at Universal. We call it this. And that we're professionals there. And it took me years to realize that Universal was just making shit up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the kings are making shit up. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so, and you brought up a good point, which was um, just getting back to the whole whole concept of these large companies. So, you know, you said like uh, you're with Clarion is you know left field is the uh, like pop culture uh division uh yep. more or less of clarion um and informa when i refer to informa fan expo hq is that division but informa has its hand in all these other things and read being the best example read exhibitions you know only stepped into the pop culture circuit can, so that can you name any be- more of their competitors while you're at it tom Sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, though, but that's that's the point. We're hitting we're hitting the level, and, and that's yeah, almost why I'm talking about it. Is you have Coke and you have Pepsi, and then you have everybody else, mm-hmm. and we're starting to see these large companies that are you know seeing, and and it's such a weird thing. You know, Ken and I date back to you know my my first uh, con I ever went to was a Star Trek con in 1980, and uh, you know. <laughs> Was going to Star Trek cons in the in the nineties and Kansas anime cons, and just seeing that hey, this was our casual hobby, is now you know it is. This is a huge business and industry, right? That that we're a part of. So it, it, getting back to you guys, so Clarion is the parent company for mm-hmm. uh, the left field uh, division, which is mm-hmm. uh, your pop culture, and it's um, correct me if I'm wrong. It's Awesome Con, Anime NYC, mm-hmm. the soon to launch Anime Frontier, mm-hmm. um, and Rose City Comic Con. Correct. correct. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And awesome, uh, awesome cons kind of like, I guess would be like kind of your, your legacy show, your crown jewel type of piece. Uh, in, um, in the comic space. Yeah. Anime NYC yeah. is also, they're all super important in their own way and in their own regionality. Um, but awesome mm-hmm. con right now has the largest number of ticket holders throughout the course of a weekend. Um, but anime NYC is growing so fast. It's only in its third year. We'll see what happens there. Oh yeah, no, no. It's it's yeah. Peter's trying to get me to go, and it's it's only so many times I can get on a plane to New York in a year. What um? It's worth how it. many? <laughs> now you're gonna get pressure from Peter and me too. So <laughs> I I will. Hey, pandemic ends. I will find a way. Um, <laughs> what's the um? So awesome con. Last awesome con was 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, how many attendees did you guys have? Uh, just about seventy thousand. Okay, is that unique or turned out? <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Next question. <laughs> that, you so, know, we'll be honest about that. Like, oh yeah, and and that's gone back way back to the first New York Comic Con days when we we're trying to figure out that fire marshal rule. How many can we fit in this space as they're they're trying to shut us down? You know, it's mm-hmm. um, Tom and I were were big proponents of the turnstile mentality because we had come from Disney and Universal, and you know, trying to explain to somebody that one person each day that's an individual each day. But, yes. you know, when we we're dealing with individuals that had just started and their first spe- time in the convention yeah. space was a pop culture or a homegrown comp convention, they were just worried about how many tickets they were selling. If they were selling a weekend ticket, it was right. one head. So that's where the, you know, back and forth came came about. And Florida was a battleground for, you know, what is the oh, true yeah. number right. the convention right. had. If I bought the my joke Disney that Tom Resort and I Pass count. for five days... I'm not one pass. I'm five right. people because I'm going right. to a resort five days. Um, so 70,000. And it's a, awesome is a three-day or a four-day? Three-day. Okay. Perfect. 
Okay, so you have three yeah. days. Seventy thousand people come through the turnstiles mm-hmm. for the, uh, throughout the weekend. Um, what would you say uh, compared to the other, um, you know, pop culture event brands that are out there? What makes Awesome Con different, better, interesting compared to you know the standards like San Diego, New York, et cetera? Yeah, well, first it's awesome. So okay, <laughs> no, good branding. No, good branding. <laughs> Uh, but beyond that, uh, awesome con, you know, Ben was really, is really smart. He still is. He's still very smart, but when he named it, this is a really smart move of thinking about awesome con is about fandom, right? It's about what, whatever you define as your fandom to be. So as long as it's awesome, it's there. So it's about how you define awesome, which has given us a great leeway and breadth to be able to pull everything together under one tent. And we're super fortunate of being in Washington, DC, the district. Um, of Washington, D.C., uh, because it is... Wait, not the territory? My bad. <laughs> not the territory, no, the district of Washington, D.C. Because yeah, they pay taxes, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it is such an epicenter for science and technology that we are able to do this incredible science fair along with it um, under, in, within yeah. our walls of AwesomeCon that we've had some incredible con- content. Um, NASA is a huge supporter of our events and does a lot of programming within AwesomeCon. We have astronauts and astrophysicists and all sorts of really cool geeky things come together um, of like the science behind science fiction um, happening live under our, t- under our tent, which is something that's really, really cool uh, that you really can't replicate anywhere else um, just because of the nature of what, what you have at your disposal right there in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, other things about AwesomeCon that help to make us really unique um, are the, the family-friendly aspects of what we have at AwesomeCon. Um, probably like many of you, uh, I've been to many conventions where I'm like, I cannot bring my children here, right? They, they can't see this aisle, they can't see that aisle. And even though we have you know, plenty of content that appeals to all age ranges, we do make sure that we are also very family-friendly. We do have evening programming for the 18 mm. plus, but you know, we're carting at the doors and keeping that very separate. Um, and one of the things and Lauren has been really critical in like spearheading all of this is been our awesome con junior. Um, and Lauren, I don't know if you want to just talk a little bit about what that is. Cause it, it's a really magical part about awesome con that's kind of grown over the years. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, um, awesome con junior is the place on the show floor where families can go. And, um, you know, it's, it's all about play being together. Um, We've got a stage there that's dedicated all to kids programming. So, um, you know, you, you know, you can take your kid there. They're going to enjoy it. Um, we've got like different costume characters, activities for the kids. So it really makes it a fun family friendly activity spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go and do the things, see this guests you want to see with your family and then hit up awesome con junior. Um, you can, bring your kids one of the days, go to Awesome Fun Junior, and then, you know, they've experienced the con and you can come back the other days just for the adults. You know, it's, it, it makes it really doable for a family. So, so you guys gear heavily into to, to kind of the, the family-friendly demographics. You're mm-hmm. looking for, for parents and kids. Is that just an Awesome Con-specific thing, or do you do that, try to do that across the board in, in the left field stable of shows? More so in Awesome Con and Rose City Comic Con. So more within our Comic Con portfolios. Uh, all right. Okay. Because you got right. what I was going to ask, which is the, 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 there's that bleed over with anime that's a tricky, slippery slope. Yes. And that's a, that's a hard thing to regulate to do a pure family-friendly environment because so right. much of it is a PG-13, TV-14 genre. But um, so I'm assuming that, that like anime type programming is probably minimal at an Awesome Con. You have two anime shows anyway. But you have, um, uh, if you're talking family friendly, I'm assuming, you know, superheroes, you know, the, the, the hits, you know, cartoons, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you say you have a family friendly area. Is it in the exhibitors hall is where you're mm-hmm. setting this thing up? Yeah. And yeah. So-, so there's vendors right there. There's a stage. The vendors usually have some sort of activity or um, engagement for the kids. So it's right there on the floor. Okay. And how many, how many vendors do you guys typically have at, at Awesome? Me, jeez. Vendors. And, and we're going to need you to name each one. No, the deals were The only person ever knows that number, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't name the number of vendors you had at, at, at the last Wasabi Con event. 
Danielle's here, so I kind of uh-huh. keep this in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say there's a, probably about 200 vendors, about 250, 300 artists. Okay. That's a, that's a huge exhibitor's yes. hall. I think that's right. Yes. <laughs> that's a huge exhibitor hall. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Okay. Because that's, well, that that's anime- my next question was. Well, as, as Tom mentioned, that whole anime piece, I always said that there's no way I'm ever going to be able to run for public office because there's no way I'd be able to explain the Yowie PJ party uh, to a, <laughs> yeah, uh, to a, a member of the press in a, in a format that didn't sound bad. That's always been yeah. a challenge with, you know, trying to create that environment, especially the the anime, that anime demo. You know, you get that tween demo that doesn't want to deal mm-hmm. with the with the youngers and, you know, the parents mm-hmm. sort of just want to have a drop off and leave mentality. So um, I really appreciate as, you know, as a father of a, of a five-year-old, that type of environment that gives them something to do versus just, you know, having to drag them around to try to see everybody. Uh, you know, the last yeah. time my kid had fun at conventions when she got to meet Zach Levi, because she thought that he was the greatest thing ever because he was Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so going back, so what sort of things do you say? And, and again, just like Ken described, you know, younger, younger demographic, is a challenge to keep engaged mm-hmm. in a room full of mm-hmm. here i'm gonna beat the dead horse awesome um mm-hmm. like what 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 we, we say embrace it so say it as many times as you want it's okay oh okay mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what what key things have you have you seen in your family area that, that have kind of kept the engagement going do you think so the costume characters are a huge favorite so like those are the guests for the kids right the, mm-hmm. the Trolls characters, the PJ Masks characters. Um, we, ha- we work with lots of cosplay groups that dress up as like a lot of superheroes and the Disney princesses and that's the guest for the kid. Um, <laughs> so that is always a huge favorite of Awesome Con Jr. Um, we do a, a kid's costume parade. Um, so that's, you know, super fun too. Obviously cosplay is a huge part of Comic Cons and so that allows them to dress up and um, be a part of it. Uh, we've got, we do like, we have some video gaming stations that are age appropriate. Of course, you know, that's that's great for like, you know, the, the seven to nine age. Um, we each, we encourage each vendor to have some sort of activity in their booth. So oh. um, we had like Detective Peach, Pikachu where they have this scene where you could take a picture with, like within the scene, um, you know, just different things like that to some make and take kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. To, you know, like DreamWorks had some really cool setups where they had games and you could win prizes, um, you know, takeaways. Of course, the kids always love like the, mm-hmm. the little takeaways that they can get from all the booths. Um, what else? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. We have I, an animal I, show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. The animal shows are good, which is I my favorite. One, yeah. I think one Playing of the, the animal things- show. <laughs> so we work with the National Wildlife Federation and they bring in live animals like an alligator, an owl, a snake. Um, they've brought in like, they're not raccoons, but similar to that. And the message is that these animals are in the wild and they're safe, but you should respect their space. And oh. you know, we're showing you they're safe, but also teaching the lesson of don't approach them. Um, yeah. We had, was it like a hawk or something at one of our shows last year? Yeah. And the hawk actually flew like into the convention center. So it was cool. They they had it like, you know, on a, a they had it controlled. But, you know, just stuff like that is, it's also different. Like you yeah. wouldn't think of an animal show at a Comic-Con, but, um, you know, it that's the fr- family-friendly piece of it. And that is probably like one of the biggest uh, pieces of content on our kids stage so yeah and one of the things awesome. that I also think is really cool in the family uh, in the kids area in junior area is a lot of our um, comic artists and invited yeah. guests will take turns in rotations doing okay. uh, sketches complimentary just in the children's zone oh. you know so giving oh. it, yeah which is really cool and some will do uh, some drawing art lessons as well little sketch classes and um but it's all really small and intimate. So it, they're small moments. So they become really intimate and personal time, which is very yeah. cool and really unique. And it also opens, you know, the younger demographics eyes to the fact that these cartoons are actually created by somebody. These comics are actually created by somebody. And, you know, this is a path that you could follow or you can just appreciate the art either way, um, which is fun. 
but it, it's it, it just sounds and again just the more you're describing the work that's going into this one section you know we look at all of our shows and, and we work with a number of shows and each show carries its own different demographic you know anime shows obviously mm -hmm. if you're anime show we're looking for you know teen to college age uh we do contract work for gen con and where we run the anime section the predominant demographic in gen con is male single 40s works in the tech sector um, so it sounds like AwesomeCon is really just trying to focus on, you know, hey, can we get families to come to our show? Because I'm assuming if you're building, putting that much time into the the kids area, the goal is, you know, obviously parents, you know, get the parents in and get them to do something with their families more than just the, you know, the masses of of of, of anybody. It, it sounds like there's a lot more focus there, which is kind of nice. I, again, you got two guys. You're talking to two guys who came from a theme park background, right, so right. we're always looking at, at that as a you know, creating more of a, you know, to term inclusive environment, because let's face it, sometimes just coming from the anime background, yeah. parents are intimidated by that. Well, you know, and, and Tom, we started this whole thing in our, I mean, the, let's date ourselves. I mean, we did the first JCon was in 2000. Uh, I mean, I was in my mid twenties when we started JCon, and as JCon got older and older and older, I was now before it was oh I was the 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 young adult and now I'm the creepy old guy running the anime convention, <laughs> um, you know and it's like okay you know I was out there trying to actually talk to we go out and see the parents when they were sitting outside the convention space because you can tell the parent it's it's a guy sitting there with the book because we you know no one had good cell phones back then with the book reading and trying to engage and make sure they know and they feel safe and they felt comfortable being there. Because you, honestly, you know, you're bringing your 16-year-old daughter and her four friends and they're all in their costumes and they go to opening ceremonies and they see a bunch of, you know, late 20, early 30-somethings up there talking about how great the show is. You know, I would start scratching my head too, um, mm -hmm. going, exactly what is this? Oh, no, no. Ken's, Ken's family-friendly moment at a con is Gen Con. We were there operating and doing programming when My Little Pony Friendship oh, Magic was hitting its peak. And mm -hmm. we were doing such successful My Little Pony related programming, like yeah. paint your own pony workshops, all the stuff that we're designing the same way you guys describe, which mm -hmm. is for our mainstream. Right. And all of the bronies who were there <laughs> for Gen Con converged into our panels. And we're hosting, we're like, hey, let's do a My Little Pony history panel. And we're talking about, let's have a conversation about going, you know, here's when we were in the kids, 80s, and go forward. And suddenly it's packed with men in their 20s and 30s. And we're like, yeah, yeah, just so you know, and, and Ken, Ken point blank says, you guys are not the demographic Hasbro well, is going for. They were complaining about <laughs> Equestria girls. They're like, oh, we like, you know, we don't like Equestria girls. Yeah, yeah. And then one guy in the corner is like, well, my, my daughter likes Equestria girls. I'm like, oh, how old is your daughter? <laughs> she's six ah a six-year-old <laughs> enjoys equestria girls guess what guys that's a demographic they're looking for they're not looking for you guys they're yeah. looking for her right that's exactly you got to realize that this the demo now sometimes you get some crossover but sometimes it's you know the fandom isn't exactly what you want to have especially if you're pushing a brand right um mm -hmm. and you know what is part of that brand um mm -hmm. uh, and you know who's expecting you know He's, things change. Kelly, when when you had had your child, you probably had a completely different approach to the fandom than you had when before, and you were able to make different decisions, had different scope of things. Absolutely, absolutely. My our whole team is probably so sick of me using my children as examples of everything, of like sensitizing them. Well, they would like this, or they wouldn't like that, and it it, it changes your lens completely. Yes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it does. And now mine are getting older. And so my lens is starting to change again. So I count on somebody like Laura, whose kids are still younger, to keep my lens. Ah. <laughs> keep my perspective. Need somebody, somebody to keep things grounded. Yeah. Oh, and, and that's the fun part about dealing with the anime industry uh, is uh, I have to explain to my friends that, you know, I don't have children. I have a fur kid. Um, but I talk to my friends who now have their kids that are teenagers. And they're like, my kid is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, this is all they're talking about is this. And they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, it's technically my job. job. <laughs> yeah. and like, I have to know that. Like, I know, I knew what TikTok was before you yes. did. It's my job. So it's, you know, having to speak on that language, uh, you know, all of us as promoters are always looking at the global picture of our show. So getting back to the awesome con, um, 
It does. It sounds very interesting that you guys are, you know, we've talked to different styles of shows so far, and you guys literally are kind of sound like you're leaning heavily towards what we'd say is a theme park format. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the, you know, here's the thing. We've got a lot for the kids. We want to make sure all the families can have a good time. Um, but, but swinging to that. So let's shift the conversation a bit. The, the global conversation was because, Hey, we're, you know, uh, there's corporate overlords and, and we're doing the pop culture division, <laughs> but that has been, and, I, and I've said this in other conversations and in, in interviews I've done in media, it, we're experiencing, and this is a quote I've used, um, and it's going to lead back into, I want to ask you guys uh, about your virtual piece here is when COVID-19 started hitting in earnest around March and April. Um, I had a number of conversations. I did interviews for uh, newspapers in Japan because they were immediately interested in how it was going to impact the anime con circuit. And the the harsh statement I made, and I stuck with it, is uh, that I feel, and I feel we're still in the middle of seeing Darwinism in real time. And what that is, is we have, uh, you know, in North America, uh, one of the divisions that uh, we own a company called Talent for Cons that runs actors and I put them on a research project of how many pop culture events actually are happening. So we have all this data now. And in 2019, there were 1400 plus events that could be considered a pop culture event, whether it be a toy show or it be a comic con. <laughs> and out of those 1400, we're going to see Darwinism. And there's three things that happen. Um, one, the bottom third just were in no way, shape or form prepared for this in the first place. You know, Ken and I would quietly make or they were teetering shows. They were teetering yes. on bankruptcy in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. we, we would see see certain shows in certain markets go inertia hey, due to COVID-19. We've canceled and we're quietly going. You yeah, should have canceled you, you anyway. Were, you should have canceled <laughs> last year. But this was your your final reason to do so. Um, and then you have your your um, other end of the spectrum, which is the you know, the left field, the uh, uh, fan expo HQs and, and read pops that hey, there's at least a corporate umbrella above us to help stabilize. It's not mm-hmm. a perfect system, but it increases the odds. And then we have kind of the middle shows, which are your independent, you know, you know, solo anime cons, comic cons that, uh, and that's the, the, the Darwinism swing right there is how are they adapting? Well, the good news is for the top end of that spectrum, you know, uh, left field, for example, you guys have some of the resources to be able to look at how to pivot which kind of brings to the next part of the mm-hmm. conversation, which is when COVID-19 hit you guys and uh, you know, you're like, hey, we have a huge show we do every year with 70,000 people coming up. What was the plan or how was the plan or how have you guys coped with that now? There's a lot of drinking. That was part of the coping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it's this has been one of the wildest things that probably many of us have ever experienced, especially in the event space. Um, so we awesome con was scheduled the first weekend in May and, okay. you know, this was going down very quickly and you wanted to be able to, we knew we couldn't run, right. We knew that this was going to that place of no matter what by May, we're not going to be in a safe place to run. Uh, but we also needed to have the plan in place of what was come next. Mm-hmm. And there were a whole lot of challenges on figuring out that plan because of the convention centers, right? Right. They're all scrambling and trying to shift their dates. And let's be honest, we love our convention centers that we work with. They're very good to us, but the consumer event business is not their biggest book of business. Right. And yeah. Well, yeah, they yeah. have to take care of their shows that bring millions and millions of dollars right. into the cities with all the right. hotel rooms. Cause we don't have, that kind of massive hotel room consumption that a B2B show that takes up the right. whole convention center. Well, mm-hmm. uh, so there was a lot of waiting and, okay, we think we're going to be able to give you this date. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. We can't, don't announce that. We're going to give you this date. No, no, no. And it was like every day I was like, can we, can we talk now? Can we do something now um, to share with our fans what we are going to do? Um, well, let me, let me cut in and pause no. with you real quick. Did you deal with, cause this is something we saw a lot of dealing with and we dealt with, with some of our shows too, is during that decision process, Again, the norms and the mainstream and our fans don't all know about that. All they know is, is, hey, why haven't you canceled your irresponsible? Did you guys, how much backlash? Because you're right on the cusp if you were in May. Mm -hmm. Did you guys get a lot of backlash on that, of Mm -hmm. of not immediately doing it? Or or how tough was that for you guys? Um, Let's see. We did get some. I think what we did right 
is we were very honest upfront mm -hmm. of here's what we're waiting for. We have news that we want to share. We're waiting for one more piece. I would say we probably had a window of about 48 hours where it was the, the toughest in terms of the backlash, mm. people looking for answers. And we're like, we're just waiting for this one more piece. Please give us this one more piece. And like us calling convention center and like, listen, we have got to go today. I cannot do these to, to our fans. Like yeah. they care, yeah. this is important to them. And we have to do something um, and have to share with them what's about to happen because a lot of them, we had their money and their tickets, right? And there yeah. were also stories about other conventions keeping their money and not giving refunds back. So everyone got really heightened and nervous. Um, and fortunately, we are in the position where we can be very open, honest, and transparent with everybody and take care of them the right way. Um, with, and I understand that some people had other challenges where all the cash was tied up in the building. They couldn't get their right, money back right, from the right. venues. And like, there, there's some legitimate reasons out there for why that happened. And um, so we just were very communicative very quickly and very early about what was going on. Yeah, Kelly, um, one of the things we talked about with LA with LA mm -hmm. Comic Con when they were on an earlier show mm -hmm. was the politics of the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, LA, they were dealing with the city, they're dealing with the county, they're dealing with the state. And of course, oh, point. They, they're elected officials. Now you guys yep. are in the District of Columbia. Mm -hmm. Only the mayor is elected. Right. Um, everybody else is appointed, so they're not mm -hmm. really beholden to the uh to the citizenry uh of the operation. So you sort of have a more of a, a what I would think would be a more detached approach to what was going on. How was the politics of dealing with the district itself and the city um, over and beyond everything else that you're having to deal with? Amazing. Oh, that's good to hear. Really? I know. Yes. I Amazing. mean, Tom's got it some was... great stories about Jacksonville because. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. we, the, 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 I... Go ahead. The, the simple one is, yeah, the, the, the biggest challenge we had, and we can be, and again, it's easy to be public afterwards, but the lead up was always yeah, the hard gosh, challenge yeah. of trying to mm -hmm. tell and connect with our fans with the guys, we hear you guys, we are working on this. He's not on deaf ears, but please, we need time. Um, and our biggest challenge in the city of Jacksonville, where, where we own one of our shows uh, in Florida was uh, I did, I, I covered a, a show that was in March and decided to push through and still happen in June. Mm. And it shouldn't have happened, but it was at the fairgrounds. And once they happened, the city, even though everything was like, hey, we're, we're locked down, we probably shouldn't do this. They were teetering and, and we were having a safe enough conversation of, hey, let's move our show from October, 2020 to 2021. Then the Republican National Convention announced mm. that they were- They're gonna be in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, <laughs> Florida. <laughs> and they can be here I, I, why can't you <laughs> and that was literally the answer of the hey we we might agree with you and and yeah we we we're, we, we already had because in march we came up with that backup plan we had a backup yeah. plan and we talked about it in march as in back then you know 10 years ago in march of 2020 uh it was mm -hmm. the oh that it won't be that bad we'll be fine mm -hmm. by then and then we had the conversation but it was literally the we could not and they could not do anything for us as long as the RNC was happening. And I don't know if you recall, it literally just canceled, I think two weeks before it was supposed to happen. Yeah, right. And until that happened, we were stuck because we're having to communicate. We had tickets sold, our vendors room is sold out. We're like, guys, we're not ignoring you. So yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a big challenge, but it is. you know, dealing with locally with our convention center government was tricky, but I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It's a little shocking that DC was really that easy to work with. Yeah, they really were. And this is not me like trying to butter them up because we might need some more help from them in the future or anything like that. They were they were truly amazing. It never became an issue. Um, they <laughs> immediately, it was all about trying to find where was the best, safest time for us right. to run next. Um, and they bent over backwards to try to help us out and try to figure it all out. At no point was there any moment of them trying to force us to run or trying to find any loopholes to hold hold anything to our heads you know i think they they also know how much they appreciate the awesome con fan base and mm -hmm. they really do look at awesome con as something very positive for the city um, and we have a really close relationship with the visitor visitors bureau there too um so they're they're so supportive we do so many things with different restaurants and different community groups um, that they want to make sure that we're coming back and happy. 
And they knew if they held our feet to the fire and tried to try to force us to run one, we could be caught having a very dangerous situation. But the economics of trying to do that safely in that convention center, who, who could afford to do that in, in those ways under the terms that are out there? Um, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, the we, we, we encourage you to go back and watch our LA. Conference. Yeah, the LA one. They, those they guys came had up with it. some they had really it going. crazy stuff. I was it really was shocked. Cool. Yeah. It was Sacramento yeah. that shut them down, not LA. But they they yeah. spent some they spent some real time and effort. And when talking through the plan, I was quite impressed. But Kelly, you had mentioned you, you've got a good you got a good um, uh, partnership with the visitor mm-hmm. bureau. Now, when much like Orlando, when you think about going to DC, it's not thinking about going to a convention. How do they? Is it something an alternate thing for somebody to do in? When coming to DC, are they trying? It just seems like there's so many other things to do. Well, let me let why, me prologue promote Ken's a convention, question. I guess. Let me prologue Ken's question with this question. Yeah. Demographically, how many people are actually from DC ah, and how good, many yeah. people come from the surrounding states? Exactly. Good point. <laughs> it's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Because because I don't think that many people live in DC proper. There's a population there, mm-hmm. but the goal is to draw the people, obviously from Virginia and, and all around Maryland, to to come into it. So you're trying to get the get those mm-hmm. get those dollars from the other states yeah. into into yeah. that district. Yeah, hundred percent correct. And we do, and we pull from all around. We pull from significantly. You know, every convention can say we pull somebody from all fifty states and twelve European countries great we all do it's like one here one there one there we have a huge amount of people who actually come from the texas area south carolina north carolina come coming right up to the show like there is a very large large densities from those areas as well like Um, south carolina north carolina makes sense texas is what the hell that's a drive i know i know weird so okay it's cool so it's cool it's a good thing for us um and we because we work so closely with the convention center they're aware of all those demographics and those stats as well okay. um, they also pay a lot very uh, smart of them they pay a lot of attention to things beyond just room nights which not every okay. uh, visitor bureau like does what uh they look <laughs> at airbnb they look at uh restaurant reports from the weeks they look it, where it used to be the conversation used to be all right well how many hotel nights are you taking right exactly that's how it always is. that was the yeah. question that was a conversation it's not a, that's yeah. not the critical factor anymore uh for dc and which is really progressive of them for a business like ours yeah interesting mm-hmm. yeah only other city i can i can i can speak to that i know does that was uh uh, Gen Con visit Indy uh, because oh, yeah. hotel rooms quit being the problem for them. They're, it's a problem because they don't have enough. Right now, they were looking at, at, at other spikes in revenue to the point that uh, their airport sets up a section when you land to play tabletop games while waiting your friends' planes yeah. to get there. It's amazing. Um, which is oh, it's great. I love, love it's that. Awesome. Um, so 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 going back to your narrative, then so uh city was a lot easier you wound mm-hmm. up making the decision it was supposed to happen in may so with the original plan i think if i remember correctly was to move from may to an alternate date it was or we were december right mm-hmm. yeah third through the fifth yeah yeah this weekend uh, oh wow that seems like a lifetime ago <laughs> technically dates. you should be loading in right now <laughs> well when we have those dates i just remember thinking there's no way we won't run it's december if we're not going to do it in october the whole damn country is going to be imploding there won't be one in 2020 i was like if any (laughs) show runs it's going to be ours because we'll be the last one right yeah so So when we when we realized well when we finally put the dates together okay we can't run in march we had these december dates and we're like perfect that'll be fine uh we our community wanted something now and we also knew that we wanted to figure out a way to support the vendor community because instantly, right? COVID right. hit, you, you know, our vendors from all these shows, so much of their livelihood is dependent on exhibiting at these shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are not set up to do online businesses. Many are now, but they not they weren't all then, right? It was all no. about the the purchases made at those shows. Um, so we quickly got together with our team, came up with an idea to run a virtual con, right? Well, everybody's doing that. Uh, but yeah. we, we, we had the fortunate opportunity of being one of the early ones to do it just because of our timing of being in May. 
and, and mm -hmm. that was supposed to be in March. Um, and because of where we were in the life cycle of this COVID catastrophe that we're in, mm -hmm. we were able to stop and take a stance and say, we are not going to charge for participation for our exhibitors. If mm -hmm. they had already committed to our shows, Mm -hmm. We gave them the option to roll their money to future events and roll their commitments and contracts so that they could still lock in where they were and be a participant. Um, right. We'll make their participation in our online virtual con completely free. Mm -hmm. And uh, we worked with a couple of celebrities who were going to do celebrity appearances. And they agreed that any money they made from their appearances, would they would donate as well. And so we set it up as a way to, one, directly give the vendors a place to make money without having to spend money okay. and also as a revenue generation to be donated to the red cross as well to help with immediate efforts of the financial strife that people are going through with covid um so that was something that because we were so early in the covid cycle that we were able to get the support and like you said because we have our, our corporate backing mm -hmm. to be able to mm -hmm. even that extra okay you're doing the right thing this is about the long term yeah. of the brand Go ahead. We'll give you your support to do so, which I so, feel very fortunate. So let me go back that. and ask ask for a detail there. So I'm a vendor at your show. The show mm -hmm. canceled, mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, cool. I'm staying on. How in the, how did I operate within your virtual event to make money? Yeah. So, Lauren, you want to answer that because you were so much closer to that than. Yeah. So we had, um, you know, we had a virtual show floor on our website. So we had okay. There basically a link back to whatever their online shop was or whatever it was that they wanted to promote. And then um, we had space within Facebook. I believe it was through an event where you could, um, it was almost like a marketplace on Facebook. So you okay. could connect with the vendors and the artists there. And then we dedicated all of our programming on Sunday of, we, it was a three day virtual event. So all day Sunday was panels from artists and vendors just to give them time to okay. highlight so, you know, whatever it was that they were working on or promoting at the time. Okay. Now, and we, and, and, and again, this is where the nuts and bolts of, of running pop culture events come into play. We have these conversations all the time with vendors and with, you know, our celebrity guests of, Hey, we want you to do this and do this panel or come, you know, if, if you're an artist in artist alley, why don't you do a panel about something? And they're like, why? I'm like, you call a spade a spade here you're doing an infomercial yeah. you want people yeah. to come see you right. to, to see you talk about your work how talented you are the things that you do and then when you're done it's and i'm in the exhibitors hall please come see me so that format actually sounds pretty smart in a virtual standpoint of hey guys you're a vendor you're an exhibitor or you're an artist hey why don't you host a presentation and in the mm. end be like hey by the way i'm in the virtual exhibitors come by and uh, I can do a sketch for you, or here's what I have on sale, or I show you, I showed you how this was done. Come buy it from me, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really neat. So yeah. it, it, you get it a lot of positive no. feedback. Uh, yeah, oh. actually, we did. We did get a lot of positive feedback from our vendors and from the community for making it available. Um, but was it a perfect setup for all the vendors to be able to to, to sell and, and monetize that way? No, it's not. And there there hasn't been any perfect scenario yet. And, no, um, no, there hasn't. It's really challenging, and you know, we were we were very early, like I said, in that cycle of these virtual events coming on. So we were like, let's wing it, let's try it. We've got to try something. We've got to do something and try it and put it out there because it was like it's completely uncharted territory at that point. Well, and, and and we were making that statement back when we thought things were going to open earlier, and we're still having that conversation now. Is uh, you know, we've had a couple of straggling events attempt to operate and operate within COVID. Um, but there's going to be the first large scale event, which hasn't happened yet post COVID. And when that happens, it's going to be full of mistakes. And we all know it as professionals, fans will understand as much, but as professionals, we'll be like, uh, I can see how that happened. Or I, you know, like I said, even when you just described it, I'm like, oh, that sounds flawless, but application and theory, are two different things. Right. So uh, you guys sound like you tried to do something pretty creative and innovative. Again, you're at the early learning curve with all of us at the same time of, well, mm -hmm. this is just happening. Let's try this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, we, and we've all learned since then. You know, we, we talked to a show called Momocon, mm -hmm. and, and uh, Stucky has watched like 60 virtual events now. Yeah. And we've done, I haven't gone that just hardcore, but I've watched a Yeah, yeah just, just, just during lunch. Um, <laughs> and we've learned the key element is, hey, live engagement versus pre-recorded 
merits different numbers and results. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen kind of that shift in, in how we're all doing presentations, which kind of leads to, um, you guys have the show for Awesome Con slated next year, but you guys, are you guys gonna do another virtual uh, in between there or what plans are, what are the next plans for Awesome Con now? Sure. Laura, you wanna go for it? Yeah, sure. So um, we did Awesome Con online and then, um, you know, we've done a lot of virtual things since then. We've had smaller panels that we've done on Thursdays. Um, we've had some themed months. We did something called Epic Quest. So kind of what we started to see is that people wanted something unique um, we did phone calls with our fans and talked to them and they're, they, the one thing they're missing the most is being there in person and seeing each right. other. So mm -hmm. obviously it's difficult to get people together during COVID on the internet. Um, so Epic Quest was kind of a different, unique thing. It's like a virtual scavenger hunt. You could have your team that was in another household. Um, so that was a really cool event. I think we'll probably look to do something like that again. Um, but the thing we have coming up next is our uh, short film festival at home. So every year we have a film festival at Awesome Con. Um, it's one of the most celebrated events. It's always, you know, completely packed. The room is always packed during the festival. So we had planned to do it in December and, you know, got like over 3000 submissions. So we said, you know what, let's, let's do it online. And um, it's great because obviously with virtual events, now you can reach outside of the people that normally come to your con. You can reach different states and areas of the country. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, so we're excited to see how it does online. Um, so that is coming up next week, actually, December 9th is when it kicks off. We have like okay. an opening night uh, where we'll do some clips and some previews of the films and do some behind the scenes videos that the filmmakers sent us and then thursday night friday night and saturday night from eight to ten we'll have two hours of the films running each night um i think there's seven different categories so each night has like two or two or three categories that we run and then on sunday we'll do a marathon of all the films again and then we'll have an award ceremony on sunday night so um, there's including also, an audience choice award. Yes, the people's choice virtual. award. So as you're watching throughout the weekend, you can you can vote for your favorite film. So so yeah, you know that's I think that it, it's unique. It's something that's loved at our show. Um, so we're looking forward to that. And I don't think it'll stop there. I think there'll be lots more that comes in 2021. Mm -hmm. But that's that's next on the agenda yeah well and a lot of this for us is the trial and error like how's the what's the feedback to the film festival what's the feedback to our epic quest what are the feedback that comes in from the panels what's working for the vendors what's working for our attendees um and trying like to make we're sure just we have throwing the best a bunch balance. of stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks at this point yeah I mean, we it, are it, it, that's it, to be <laughs> totally truthful we are because this is completely new ground for everybody and um we want to make sure we just go with the things that really work because all of these things are so time consuming for our team to put together um mm -hmm. so we want to do the things that are the most meaningful for our fans first uh because and anything that's meaningful for, for our fans will then have the vendor support down the road and so that's how we that's where we follow it now both well, kelly you and ahead. lauren you're both professionals in the event space tom's professional in the event space this has been has to been a major pivot for your entire teams i mean <laughs> just thinking of how you've been operating how you've been planning stuff i mean what's been the pushback i mean honestly for your 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 teams your directs your subs you know all those individuals you know this is hey i've been doing this kind of event type of planning for x number of years and now you're expecting me to become a subject matter expert on virtual you know that wasn't mm -hmm. in my job description yeah yeah so I'm curious I've to hear your answer, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> so, with uh, Al, don't forget, annual reviews are due at the end of the year too. So, <laughs> and uh, boss presents, Christmas cards. What do we got? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I can say this all with a hundred percent honesty. Within left field, the pivot has been incredible. The team. And, you know, everybody who's with Left Field, we've been working together for a pretty long time. Some of us have known each other for years prior to all of this and have all become very close, as most of us do when we work together in, this, in the event space. And the pivot has been 
all about how do we help each other? What can we do to make sure we're all surviving and uplifting each other? That within left field, nobody has said, yeah, this is not in my job description. Everybody comes to work, thankful to be able to support each other every day. And I will say, honestly, I know that's not happening in all layers of different aspects of the events business. Uh, and we do, if I'm talking honestly about the global business, that is a challenge that we're facing. And we are looking at um, different job roles and, you know, for example, the role of operations, yeah. right? Uh, the, the logistics and the operations roles. We're lucky in left field that our operations team were so willing to pivot so quickly and whatever I need to do, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to figure it out. Um, where others have have had more challenges and struggled and we've had some turnover in other areas of our global business of people choosing to go into different industries because they're like, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to be a virtual host. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, well, a it, it, it's And we've seen it across the board, not just, uh, you know, in the in the uh, extensions of our business as as uh, consumer shows, um, there are companies that I work with. I'm trying to tread carefully on how I convey this, but it's mm -hmm. important that there are partnerships and companies that we work with that have roles within those companies that aren't consumer shows or media shows mm -hmm. or pop, you know, events in the event space that we partner with that have roles within their company to support us in the event space. Mm. And we've now seen those jobs either evolve or just be completely eliminated to the point that when our events come back, you know, it's where do we pick up that conversation? Yeah. Well, this this individual doesn't exist because that role no longer exists right. because for a year it was unnecessary and it was eliminated or it's been pivoted into a fully virtual capacity, mm -hmm. but now I need my physical back and, and how do we do so? We're also busy pivoting right now. It, it's It's hard to see you know, we're just pivoting to operate at this point. Once we come yeah. back, it's going to be a whole other reinterpretation of how we did things again, because, hey, it's I'm not picking up a phone and getting an answer to do A, B, and C like I used to. Now it's, we've got to reinvent sort of our industry in, in, in some aspects, um, which, which leads to kind of, you know, a good wrap up question, which is what elements have you guys learned or uh, gleaned doing the virtual experiences that you think will incorporate into your uh, future live uh, IRL events? Ooh. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest learnings that I think we have is we were always so nervous about having something virtual simultaneously as a live event. Mm -hmm. uh, being concerned of, well, is that gonna take people away from getting that ticket and really coming mm -hmm. out? And mm -hmm. now we're also understanding because we have seen unique people attending some of our virtual events and our post-event survey, our post-virtual surveys that we're doing from these events that have never been to one of our physical events before. Oh, yeah. So we're seeing the opportunity to serve our markets in different ways. Um, and that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing what our team comes up with of how do we manage that? How do we juggle that? What offerings are the right ones to try? And there's gonna still be this wild, wild west mentality to it as we, we give it a shot, but, uh, we're okay with trying things. Some things won't work and we'll just keep trying. And, and, and I think that that one phrase best encapsulates everything that everybody in our industry and everybody watching our industry needs to understand at this point, which is this is, you know, Terra Incognita at this point, we're throwing stuff against the wall. Yes. We're all trying things and a lot of it's not going to work. And that is okay. You know, it's not okay. a, yep. you know, systematic failure. If something is tried and fails, it's a learning situation of, well, you know, Ken and I joke about when, when Green Mustard started its own company, our very first convention that we ran, we oh, ran geez. a sci-fi con in 2007. And it was a huge hit to the tune of negative $30,000. <laughs> but, but we didn't go, oh, yeah, it hurt. <laughs> but on the same note, it was the, wow, we just got a crash course on everything to never do again. Yep. Took that list and then built it into a successful right. company. And that's and and now we're kind of in an environment right now of, I don't know, try this, see if it works. Oh, that sucked. Okay, that sucked. Don't do it again. But just because it was something doesn't work. And and again, that's the best message from this whole conversation yeah. today, I think, is just because something didn't work doesn't mean it's a failure. It just means now we know what not to try. And let's come up with something new to try. And we're going to have to keep doing that in the age of COVID right. until we get back. And even when we do come back to post-COVID events world, you know? 
Yeah, uh, and I hope that that's a message that sticks with the team. We've always talked about it within left field of this, just keep trying and don't blame anyone. Let's try new things. And um, I'm hoping the, the rate of trying has been so vigorous and new creative ideas coming out so fast that I really hope the team hangs on to that as we go hopefully back to physical events soon. Yeah, one of the things that Someday. I do with my own personal teams, you know, in my real world job um, is, uh, you know, inferring positive intent. Mm-hmm. Everybody, no one is waking up and going, how can I shaft, shaft fandom today? Right. We are trying to yeah. do something that we think in our hearts is going to be positive and that all the data we have up to that point, we think it's going to be positive. It's not mm-hmm. until we actually try to do it, are we going to really find out? And we're trying to get people to infer positive intent to people's actions and how we're doing things. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard road to, yeah. it's, it's a hard road to, to, to go on, especially with our, with our types of fans. They have a tendency to uh, be very, very uh, angry on the internet. Fans are angry on the internet? enthusiastic. (laughs) 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 Perfect. Well, we're going to wrap up. Lauren, since you're marketing, take us home. When uh, Give us the dates uh, for the uh, online film fest and then for the next awesome, the next awesome Awesome. con. Awesome con. Yep. So the film fest starts next week. It's December 9th through the 13th. And then... Okay. AwesomeCon 2021 is scheduled for August 20th through the 22nd. So, and that's at the Walter one- Washington Convention Center. Excellent. Well, thank you both very much, Lauren Appreciate and Kelly, uh, giving us an hour of your time tonight. Like I said, we Ken and I have enjoyed doing the show as much as you know. It, we we share this online as kind of an informational resource so that we can continue the conversation because. This is an industry, and and it's a lot of great people who who drive it. Right. Both of you sound like you've done amazing work. I'm very interested at some point getting myself to AwesomeCon to see your, your family section. Oh, yeah. And uh, n- now Peter has another excuse to give me crap about Anime NYC. Um, but uh, definitely the whole time during the show, we've had all your social media website. Check out AwesomeCon online. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of these events, uh, support them virtually. Check out their film festival next weekend. And uh, that was our 12th show. We've now completed a dozen. And uh, thank you both. And we're going to say goodnight at this point. So everybody wave and say goodnight because Danielle's going to fade us out. <laughs> fade to <laughs> <Thank> black. You. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Convention Nerds. The Convention Nerds logo was designed by artist Caitlin Jane. Convention Nerds is a presentation of Wasabi Anime. This recording is copyright 2020 Green Mustard Entertainment, Inc. To learn more about the show, visit greenmustard.com forward slash convention nerds.